I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The White Witch Podcast with me, Carly. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's episode, we are talking all about rewilding. But to kick things off, our book review today is Entering Hecate's Cave by Cindy Branham. This book really moved me. Recently, I heard a quote saying, Witchcraft is spicy psychology. And this book is packed full of exactly that. Cindy has created a shadow workbook I have been yearning for. Finally, a book that combines witchcraft and our shadow. Everything I've really come across has been more of a shadow work journal. I completely ruined this book through underlying practically everything and putting my own notes in the margins I hope Cindy would understand that this is a reflection of how much this book resonated with me. I had absolute epiphanies reading this book in relation to much of my behaviour currently and historically. Weaved throughout this book is poetry and mythology. Cindy scatters throughout the book reference to the stories of Hecate, Persephone, Demeter, many of the well-known Greek and lesser-known deities. She draws on the many epithets of Hecate and how they relate to our journey. I adored the poetry, the beautiful language used throughout the book. We read this book within the Literary Witches Coven over on my Patreon and Kimberly, one of our witches, said it gave her real women who run with the wolves feels in terms of how it's written and how it made her feel. I have read much of Cindy's work, which I've absolutely loved. But here, Cindy shows complete vulnerability, a different side to her, telling her own story, which meant so much to me as the reader, I could relate with many similar experiences of my own. Her words felt so comforting and reassuring to me. There were many points that really made me emotional because I felt by reading the book, she understood exactly how I felt with her similar experiences. You do not need to be a witch who works with Hecate to appreciate this book. That really isn't its point. It also didn't feel like a book I had to deeply prepare to read, as we might when we gear ourselves up for perhaps shadow work. 
that might be me being naive. This book just came to me at the right time. I think I underestimated how much I was going to be embarking on with reading it. Sections on the crossroads within this book particularly resonated with me, as did the section in regards to transformation. This book came to me at a time when I was really fearful of the changes that I'm making in my life. I will read this short segment to you. It really resonated and I hope that it might for you also. There is no idealizing the transformation process. Change is never linear. We go two steps ahead and then circle back. One of my biggest beefs with self-help books is that they typically paint transformation as an effortless process. Transformation is hard, but it is the kind of hard that is worth it. Isn't it worse staying stuck in pain and pouring all your energy into containing the largeness inside of you? Isn't being afraid worse than any possible risks? The picture-perfect images on social media are designed to make transformation look effortless. But real change is messy, as is spiritual growth. The cave is a dirty place. However, you've taken the bravest step by embarking on this journey. Whatever comes ahead, know that you did the biggest hard thing by opening this book. One thing I love about this book is it felt like Cindy asked of you only to work on a few tasks as you went through the book, but the ones she did ask you to work on felt truly meaningful. I feel like some books I read have so many different things they ask you to do and some just feel a bit hollow. It leaves me questioning, well, why am I doing that? But the ones that Cindy laid out, they felt that they had meaning. I've even recorded one of the meditations to use for myself. I've actioned many things from this book, but also found that it's really inspired my work. My favorite sections were identifying your spiritual counsel, setting out your ongoing boundaries, creating your own personal religion, soul loss and soul retrieval. So if you feel the call, perhaps from Hecate herself, to work on your own shadow and transformation. Instead of reaching for a shadow work journal, perhaps give this book a read first. Join me after the break to talk all about rewilding. That is one of my favourite sounds. With Liffa upon us, it's given me time to reflect and consider how I want life to look for the second half of the year and going forward. I feel very inspired by Jennifer Lane's interview on the podcast to build upon what I have learnt from her work. Overall, rewilding. Wild is a word very dear to my heart. There are a multitude of ways the word wild can be used and different meanings it holds within the dictionary. Yet one of my favourites is wild is something that is not domesticated, cultivated or tamed. 
We often talk about as witches wanting to live similarly to some of the ways our ancestors did in respect to the land. But realistically, how do we go about doing it whilst juggling modern day society and responsibilities? In parts, this episode is based on me exploring how I wish to live. I've definitely worked on living seasonally through working with the Sabbaths and the moon, but I want to go deeper into this and make it a foundation of my practice. Some of this started from a fellow witch asking me about how I would set up my altar when I've moved, and that got me considering all of my craft. I felt somewhat lost with my altar in the midst of change. I've barely had one in recent months due to estate agent viewings, then following having a buyer. I seemed to make little effort as I was in limbo, waiting to see when I was moving, when I would be packing it all up. It's a shame I didn't have my altar set up as it's a time I probably needed it the most. A couple of days ago, I fully set up my altar again, despite the fact the rest of the house is packed up in boxes. It dawned on me how much I need that connection with both myself, my deities and my ancestors now more than ever. In respect of my altar, reading Entering Hecate's Cave, The following sections really resonated and inspired me in terms of how I want to feel and what I would like to create when it comes to both my altar and my craft. Perhaps this might inspire you too. Creating a personal religion. Try creating your own personal religion and including it in what feels right to you. Explore how you understand the sacred feminine whether it's Hecate, Persephone, Demeter, or one of the other goddesses. Do an inventory of your spiritual practices. Which ones feel true to you? Do you perform some just because someone told you to? Which ones do you do based on fear? Which ones bring you freedom? Unplug from the spiritual matrix, perhaps for a day, perhaps for a year. As long as you are digesting others' opinions, you'll have a hard time connecting to what you already know to be true. Create space for the new in your life. Give up someone that you don't like, but stick with because you don't want to be lonely. You'll never make new friends until you release the ones you've outgrown. Collect objects that speak truth to you, whether it's a beautiful crystal or some pebbles found on the shore. There are no right or wrong ways to create altars, so arrange these objects into your own personal expression of spirituality. Detach from spiritual consumerism. Adopt a buy-nothing policy for your next ritual, or better yet, do one with absolutely no external objects. You are the only required ingredient in magic. Read perspectives that are different from your own. This also applies to podcasts and videos. Try out new ideas like new outfits. If it doesn't fit, take it back. Express your spirituality through creativity, whether it's baking a cake or painting your toenails. Create an altar that is an external manifestation of how you see the sacred in your soul. 
Do what feels spiritual to you. Creativity and programming cannot coexist. Jennifer Lane coming onto the podcast really had me thinking about her initial journey in her book, The Wheel, one I could really relate to looking back on my 21 years in recruitment. Today it is said that the average person spends 40 plus hours looking at a screen indoors or in a sterile office. Even though I now work for myself and I'm not in recruitment working for someone else, I'm still spending 40 plus hours looking at a screen indoors. Of course, this can affect our mental well-being and state of mind, affect our sleep quality, attention span and productivity. Don't worry, I'm not about to tell you to quit your job, order your woven trug, don your cottagecore whimsical dress and head over to Right Move to buy a cottage in the Cotswolds. If you can and want to do that, please do it immediately. But this is an episode where we explore together how we can rewild working it around our 40 plus hours staring at a screen. Rewilding is a word that's more often used in the context of the environment, allowing nature to go back to its original state. Rewilding when it comes to us is working on us connecting or returning to the natural world and ourselves, returning to a more wild or natural state of being, considering how our ancestors lived, looking at integrating it into our own lives, seeing it as fundamental to our health and well-being rather than being antiquated. It's not saying we need to remove ourselves from the modern day world. It's integrating the two together. Technology promised to make our lives easier, but along the way, we have lost our wildness. What was in sync with nature and living with the earth's natural rhythms? This is from the website gatherandgrow.com and gives a fantastic insight into what rewilding is. Rewilding in humans means to revert back to a natural or untamed state of being. It is the process of undoing unhealthy modern conditioning and recreating cultures and lifestyles beyond domestication as we define it today. It is the process of rekindling our connection to nature and unearthing a truer, wilder, more holistic way of life that centers nature and simple living. When I talk about wild, I'm talking about our natural state of being, the way we were before our modern culture changed us, labeled us and confined us to unfitting ideals. When ecosystems are depleted of resources, plant and wildlife growth is stunted, depleted, and many species go extinct. When we are cut off from our natural resources, the things we love, the things that make us feel alive, and the things that nourish us, our growth is stunted as well. Our intuition and creativity become stifled, our instincts go unused. We are tamed into doing what our family thinks we should do, what society tells us to do, and convinced to consume things we don't need. Pressures of domestication condition us to behave a certain way, look a certain way, and think a certain way. 
Each of these restrictions fulfills someone else's ideals and desires about who we are, should be, and what role we should play in the world. We quickly forget that in order for nature to thrive, it needs earth, air, wind, water, fire, and sustenance. The things that make us feel grounded, alive, free, cleansed, renewed, and nourished. This form of taming causes us to feel depleted, unseen, disconnected, and highly vulnerable to traps. Most commonly, traps come in the form of the wrong jobs, the wrong relationships, the wrong ventures. These traps create lifestyles that only perpetuate our taming, a route nowhere in the vicinity of our wild self or true north. When we are heartbroken, confused, depleted, distressed, anxious, and deeply hungry for something more, nature can be our tonic and teacher. All we need to do is re-assimilate ourselves back into our wild landscapes. Rewilding in nature helps us reclaim our creativity, learn how to nourish our bodies and souls, as well as unearth our wild, true and untamed selves. It reminds us how to steward the land in order to sustain healthy ecosystems and natural resources. Rewilding is answering the primal call to unapologetically be our true selves. It's about rekindling our instincts, that inner knowing of who to trust, what is right and wrong, where to go next, when to rest, pause, run or hold strong. It's about knowing how to truly feed ourselves, literally and soulfully. It's a way of connected, authentic living. I will post that particular article in the show notes for you to have a read of. In relation to the traps section, it is worth reading the leg traps part of the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves also. The website from BritainWithLove.com gives some excellent resources that they recommend in regards to the topic of rewilding yourself. Books that they suggest are Feral, Rewilding the Land, Sea and Human Life by George Mumbayo, Wilding, The Return of Nature to a British Farm by Isabella Tree, The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Walburn. I've just bought this book. It looks amazing. It has great reviews. The Salt Path by Raina Wynne. Wintering by Catherine May. And Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. That particular article I will link in the show notes also. That is also on Rewilding. A book I absolutely love that I could recommend for this topic. It was on a book review on the podcast ages ago and it really, really stuck with me. It is called The Wild Remedy, How Nature Mends Us, A Diary by Emma Mitchell. It outlines all the flower and fauna you can expect for each month whilst telling Emma's story. She suffered from deep depression and began to use her spare time taking walks around her hometown 
taking photos, collecting nature items, drawing illustrations of what she found. It really takes you through the year's highs and lows, looking at how our minds and as a result, our bodies respond to wildlife. Another book I've just bought, this has great reviews, and I'm sure this will make it onto the podcast, is Wild Signs and Star Paths, 52 Keys That Will Open Your Eyes, Ears and Mind to the World Around You, written by Tristan Gooley. I will let you know how I get on with that book too. Some podcasts that you might want to try that I particularly love are As the Season Turns, Belonging, and also Queen Bees. Queen Bees is a wonderful podcast. It actually has on it the actress who plays Bubbles from Absolutely Fabulous, a program I love. My plant and herb knowledge has expanded in leaps and bounds in the last year as a result of researching and producing Hedgewitch Grimoire pages for my Patreon. I've discovered so much in regards to plants and their lore and how to use them in my witchcraft simply through researching them in depth. You might wish to create your own nature grimoire, perhaps taking yourself out into the wild to simply observe and see what comes up. Most of my encounters with wildlife come through simply walking my dog Bowie around my town where I have found all sorts. This got me thinking of the character Kaya on one of my favorite films where the crawdads sing. In the film, she documents all she sees, she illustrates things, she collects feathers, pieces in nature. You might wish to create a nature grimoire where you track what you see when you go out, perhaps different bird species, trees or plants, perhaps research their law, medicinal properties, magical properties, I am always surprised how many are linked to the Fae, witches, druids, deities and the like. You might want to consider what's currently in bloom, what animals you see. Learning about them and why they behave the way they do gives us an opportunity to see our commonalities and better understand how closely connected and interdependent we are with each other. Consider what you could use in your spell work, perhaps draw what inspires you, perhaps collect leaves, feathers, small flowers and add them to your grimoire. This really helps to increase awareness of nature's patterns, signs, cycles, year after year. So, You could use an app on your phone like Picture This Plant Identifier for plants and trees and the like. One of my favourite apps on my phone currently is the Merlin Bird app where you can record bird song you hear and it will identify what bird it is. Both are free apps. I love the Merlin Bird app because I can't always see the bird singing in my garden to figure out what it is. When it comes to listening to birdsong, depending on where you live, often we need to be up with the lark to hear the dawn chorus. 
Our version of the morning can be far too late for the birds, which can be around 4am, 5am during the springtime. In the Northern Hemisphere, the dawn chorus usually peaks in spring as birds are seeking out a mate for breeding and the nesting season. It's loudest in the morning as this is when the female birds are the most receptive to fertilization after. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Producing an egg. Males seem to mark their territory and get rid of other competitive males. In the earlier, cooler times of the day, their song can carry 20 times further also. The only birds that sing are called songbirds or passerines. These birds spend a lot of time and energy learning and practicing their songs there are often one or two species that will start the dawn chorus before the others. Perhaps you woke up for the sunrise for litha, but might want to make this something you do more often this summer. My cat Taro wakes me up at stupid o'clock regularly, so I often find myself awake early listening to the birds with a coffee. It's truly magical despite how shattered I am. Often before I know it, summer is drawing to an end and I can't hear them singing anymore, which always makes me a bit sad, but grateful for the mornings I did get up early to hear them. There's nothing I love more than sleep, so I personally would rather catch a sunset than a sunrise. Sunrises and sunsets never fail to catch my heart and seem truly magic and they can remind us that we are part of a bigger whole. When it comes to getting out in nature, you might want to find a favourite spot to sit in close to where you live. You could visit a few times a week if you can, even if it is part of your dog walk and simply observe. Naturalists agree that this is the best way to really learn about species around us. Naturalist, naturalists. Either way, when I say that word, I always think about those people that go to nude beaches, which have a similar name, I'm sure. Anyway, the more time we spend in nature, the more we'll connect with our authentic selves and forget about the pressures of modern society. Studies have shown that time in nature, as long as you feel safe, is an antidote for stress. 
It can lower blood pressure and stress hormone levels, reduce nervous system arousal, enhance immune system function, increase self-esteem, reduce anxiety and improve mood. Submerging ourselves deeply into nature has the potential to change us at our core. Extended rewilding gives us the opportunity to view nature and our place in it in a whole new way. Without the noise and distractions from our modern worlds, we begin to notice things we never noticed before, like birdsong in the early morning, or how the dew clings to a blade of grass. For me and many witches, nature is the witch's form of church. I have quoted this before on the podcast, but it does need to be said again, I think. I understood at a very early age that in nature, I felt everything I should feel in church, but never did. Walking in the woods, I felt in touch with the universe and with the spirit of the universe. That's from Alice Walker. I like to sit out in my garden at night and use an app called Night Sky that helps you identify what is up there in the sky. It's beautiful. I can't wait to get out into some fields when I move and use this app and start to work on figuring out independently without the app what everything is. So this June, you can see Lyra in the night sky, which is a harp constellation. If you can locate Vega, the second brightest star in the night sky, you can look to the northeast after dusk and you should be able to see Lyra. In July, it is said you can see Scorpius, which is a constellation containing the bright star Antares, which is known as the rival of Mars because it appears to shine red. Scorpius lies low along the southern horizon. In August, if you look low in the southeastern sky, you can see Saturn, which can be mistaken for a star. If you have a telescope, you can see its rings. So in this month, you can also see Perseids. This is a meteor shower that has historically recorded up to 100 meters per hour. And you might see them between midnight and dawn radiating from the constellation Perseids. When it comes to nighttime indoors, One of my favorite things to do is to read by candlelight. It is such a sensory feeling. It makes me feel witchy as hell reading witch books by candlelight, but it also has me thinking on how our ancestors would have lived in their homes once the sun sets. Coming back to the apps I mentioned, I have promised myself I will work on relying solely on books alone for identification so I can disconnect. But I'll admit the apps have got me started. This is along the lines of what Jennifer discussed when she was on the podcast. At the center of rewilding is disconnecting as much as possible from modern day distractions and the digital world. 
This can help our nervous system greatly. We can notice more within the natural world, but also our inner world of the heart and mind. You may want to do what I mentioned, where you delete apps that you know you waste a ton of time on. If I delete them, I have to go through the palaver of downloading it, Oh, often logging in again, purely for me to binge scroll. And then I find I just can't be bothered. You could even promise yourself you will delete an app, stay off it for a week, perhaps a month, a season, or even indefinitely to claim back your time that you could be using elsewhere. My worst time killers were Facebook and TikTok. I could literally lose days on those. And I gained back so much time when I realized I didn't need them on my phone. I used to get headaches the amount I would scroll. And I have to discipline myself with Instagram as well. I use it for work. So I'll often delete that app also, or if I need it on my phone for work, I'm just going to be really mindful of how I'm using it. As witches, we tend to honour the seasons generally through honouring the Sabbaths. So for many of us, we already through this understand what flowers we are likely to see in bloom, or perhaps what foods are in season. This can also be seen through what's abundant in the supermarket, but you might want to go one step further and perhaps visit fruit and veg stalls or farmers markets. There's a farm near me that sells all their fruit and veg at the markets in London Bridge. It's not that close to me, so I can't get there that often, but I have been for sowing, Christmas and the like, just if I fancy something specific. If I find one closer when I move, I definitely would like to go more frequently rather than to the supermarket. I am going to be living in a real farming community, so that hopefully might make it more affordable. Plus, my food will have hopefully come from up the road and not travelled very far. Working with seasonal foods really has been a game changer for me. Me and my daughter do our little fruit and veggies challenge where we attempt to eat as many we can each day. We base all our meals around that and being creative with it. When I tell you a few years ago, I would sometimes be lucky if I ate one or two portions of fruit and veg a day. My diet was absolutely horrendous. My kitchen witch practice has really benefited from me knowing what is in season and finding clever ways that I can use it, be it something savoury or sweet. I know I'm preaching to converted when it comes to seasonal living, but anyway, I'm going to link a YouTube site I absolutely adore in relation to seasonal food. It is called Quiet in the Land. This might give you some inspiration. It's really aesthetically pleasing. It might be something that you want to look at in regards to preserving and foraging. Now, don't laugh, but I was a kid brought up in suburbia. I didn't have a fucking clue what was seasonal. So I've had to learn these things and I still am. 
So here is my little list of what is currently seasonal this summer that I'm trying to get as much into my diet as possible because I'm still working on knowing this. It is not me being patronizing. Anyway, this is from the book The Cottage Life by Tiffany Francis Baker. Summer, indulge in sweet summer fruits and juicy vegetables ripened by the summer heat, perfect for picnics and alfresco dining into the long evenings. Apples, apricots, aubergines, blackberries, blackcurrants, butternut squash, cantaloupe, cherries, corn, courgettes, cucumbers, damsons, gooseberries, green beans, lettuce, Monchtu, peaches, peas, peppers, plums, raspberries, strawberries, summer squash, Swiss chard and tomatoes. Why might we want to try eating seasonally? Well, it really helps us connect with our seasonal rhythms. It can be fresher, riper, sweeter, better tasting. The foods will have naturally ripened on the vine or in the earth and have been harvested at the right time, giving them better nutritional value and flavour. It can also work out more affordable as the supply meets the demand and can play a role in helping the planet. Making a conscious effort to eat well from ingredients you know were freshly grown and locally harvested is a great way to feel a connection with nature. Seasonal eating helps us learn the life cycles of edible plants and gives us an opportunity to revel in the deliciousness of each unique crop. Not only does this offer nourishment, but sourcing our food this way also helps us reduce our carbon footprint because crops don't have to travel great distances to reach our plates. If you can grow your own, it is massively rewarding. For me, there's nothing better than having your own grown produce. Due to moving, I haven't grown anywhere near the amount I usually would, which gives me the sad, but next year I will be going for it again. It definitely helps out in my household, but it's just such a nice process from seed to the table. I feel like I'm at one with the earth, tending my babies and they return my crops. I have a tiny seaside yard of a garden, no sprawling acres by any means, and I grow everything in pots. I've managed to grow tons of tomatoes, chives, basil, green beans, pumpkins, chilies, salad, but also all my witchy herbs like bay, mugwort, lavender, basil, mint, lemon balm, thyme. If, like me, you want to start out with foraging, but you just don't know where to begin, here is a segment also from that book, The Cottage Life, An Escapist's Guide to Cottage Core, written by Tiffany Francis Baker. I am moving to a new build house. It's far from a country cottage. It is in the countryside, but even I can forage in the seaside town that I'm moving from, and it's far from the rambling countryside. If you're new to foraging, start with the basics. 
nettles, dandelions, blackberries, wild garlic and elderflower are all easy to identify, fairly abundant and simple to prepare and cook. Use the seasons to guide you. Look out for fresh greens and flowers in spring and summer, fruit and nuts in autumn and mushrooms in winter. Edible greens are great to start with. Common species across the UK include wild garlic, mallow, sweet fennel, nettle, sorrel and chickweed. Later in the year, look for vitamin-rich fruits such as raspberries, blackberries, elderberries, rowanberries, rose hips, currants and sloes. Learning about and using these plants gives a sense of self-reliance that can hardly be matched. Knowing to nourish ourselves by learning the ancient practice of foraging places us directly in the role of being an active participant of our local ecosystem. I do have a couple of guests coming onto the show at some point who can go far deeper on this topic than I can. So we will get into this at a deeper level for you witches that are far more in the know than I am. So it might be that whilst you are out in nature, you want to take your shoes off and do some earthing. I do have an episode all about earthing and its benefits. If I can figure out which episode it is, I will link it in the show notes. But overall, earthing is a therapeutic technique that can electrically ground you to the earth. Evidence suggests that electrical charges from the earth can have positive effects on your body. There are a couple of YouTube videos I will link in the show notes that talk about earthing that are worth a watch. Coming back to food, one of me and my daughter's favourite things to do in the summer months is to pack up a picnic. It is something that we've also done for a few of the Sabbaths and she even goes off with her friends now to have picnics outside as she's kind of remembered us doing it together. It might be that you want to enjoy your food outside so you learn to build a fire and cook on an open flame. Many of us witches celebrate the fire festivals with a fire. I'm not ashamed to say I couldn't start a fire for toffee, but I would be well up for giving it a go, providing someone with me knows what they are doing. But obviously, please, for the goddess's sake, know what you are doing when it comes to this or have someone with you that does. I only say this after some of the conversations with some of our witches on Patreon who've been really affected by forest fires recently. Fire, since its discovery, has had a primal tug on us humans. You might want to have a fire for litha or simply to learn to cook over one, perhaps with friends and family, and get in touch with your primal wild self. Speaking of fire, you could look at studying the elements when it comes to your craft. Understand how to work with them within your craft, perhaps extending this to researching different deities linked to different elements, perhaps looking at different elementals linked to them also. 
So in the Witches Institute on Patreon, we have looked in depth on Patreon podcast episodes at the element of air and water. There are lots of spells within those episodes linked to the element. We are about to cover fire and then earth. In regards to rewilding, you might want to look at doing some journaling around this. When making the decision to rewild yourself, it is helpful to make a list of what makes you feel the most like your authentic self, what makes you feel grounded, three, at peace and in balance, what situations or places make you feel this way. Writing down these feelings can often bring greater clarity to your rewilding journey. As we change and evolve, checking in on these feelings helps us to keep our wild selves within reach. I heard on a YouTube video that again, I will link in the show notes, there are a ton of extra resources for this episode if you want to delve into it. On this YouTube video, he says, we are in a time of the great forgetting. He talks about how we are forgetting how to work with our hands and how the land works. It made me really sad. I just want to say there is no shaming here with this episode into doing these things because I am far from there with my journey of trying to live seasonally, trying to rewild. You are probably doing even better than I am on this front, but I can only start somewhere and let you know how my journey goes. And as ever, present to you the research that I found. So this is from the website outdoorapothecary.com. This has really helped me in my research for this episode. There are loads of different tips on this page. Again, I will put it in the show notes. Rewilding is a direction, not a destination. None of us have to go back to our hunter-gatherer days in order to reap the benefits of health and connection. Instead, we can choose how we incorporate the values of our ancestors into our everyday lives. Rewilding doesn't mean reverting back to an old way of life. It's an opportunity for connection and true human evolution. So just to wrap things up in regards to rewilding, I came across a couple of quotes that I love that I thought I would share. The first is from an unknown source. Witchcraft is a deep love of nature and the ability to see magic in places where most others do not. And this second one, I absolutely love this. It comes from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the author of Women Who Run With The Wolves. I definitely say this is one of my witchy Bibles. A woman may crave to be near water or be belly down, her face in the earth, smelling the wild smell. She might have to drive into the wind. She may have to plant something pull things out the ground or put them into the ground. She may have to knead and bake, wrapped in dough up to her elbows. She may have to trek into the hills, leaping from rock to rock, trying out her voice against the mountain. She may need hours of starry nights, 
where the stars are like face powder split on a black marble floor. She may feel she will die if she doesn't dance naked in a thunderstorm, sit in perfect silence, return home ink-stained, paint-stained, tear-stained, moon-stained. That is all I have for you today, witches. Thank you so much for joining me. If you are listening to this on the day of its release, blessed solstice, blessed litha, have the most amazing day, few days, however you are celebrating. I also want to say thank you so much for following my cheeky request on last week's episode. Many of you witches left me some beautiful reviews in regards to the podcast. If you haven't already and you can, I will be so grateful. This really helps me in regards to getting the podcast out there, more witches finding the show. So if you can spare a few seconds, if you can leave me a five-star review, I'd be so grateful. If you can add a few beautiful words also, even better. I am so thankful. I will catch up with you all next week, witches. Have a wonderful week and I'm sending you lots and lots of witchy love. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.